Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. We are still on um, Psych 342, and this is Hall 1, Session 2, and we're still looking at terminology. Um, so a couple concepts to keep in mind as you're working with individuals who have a disability. It's really important that you focus on the person and not the disability, and we call this person first. Um, we want to avoid labels of any kind. Now, I picked a positive one intentionally because usually you're going to see negative labels. Um, but when you start labeling a child, and super achiever is a possible label, you know, you have a child who you think is, you know, really, really bright. They hear that, they pick that up, and they begin to incorporate those labels into their own personality. So we really want to make sure we don't use negative labels that they may begin to um, use as in terms of our self-fulfilling prophecy. But any label is really not a good thing to do. Um, as we're talking about individuals who do have exceptionalities, we want to make sure that we're not... Um, referring to them in terms that really are um, terms of pity afflicted with say cerebral palsy or suffers from um, intellectual disability or anything generic like the retarded and by the way you'll see as we go along that that terminology is dated um, person first language as we were talking about above we want to focus on the person so we would say now boy with autism Right, or autism spectrum disorder. And one time people would say the autistic boy. Right, you can see how that puts the focus more on the disability. The autism comes first and the fact that this is a boy comes second. But if we shift it around, even though it's subtle, our focus becomes the boy. And this is still a boy. Right, a child who has so much in common with other children just happens to have autism as a disability or an exceptionality. So we want to really try to put our focus on the individual and what they can do. All right, we also want to, again, affirm ability through uses of language. And using a wheelchair um, makes the person sound a little bit more efficient than if we say they're wheelchair bound. And so we always want to try to be uh, um, affirming the ability that the individual would have. Um, we're going to learn correct terminology, and that's what we will use other than any kind of euphemism that, you know, you may have learned throughout the years. Um, remember that disease is not a disability and we will have some chronic diseases that will give a child an, um, a special ed ruling, um, but that does not mean they're disabled. And um, also disability is not a disease that is contagious. So we wanna make sure those two things are separate. And as much as possible, we want to try to portray folks with disabilities as being active participants in day-to-day -day life. And actually, most of these individuals are very active participants um, in life. Other terms that we need to know are developmental delay. And this does vary by state. Some of the definitions we're going to look at are, are federally mandated. But um, developmental delay is one that states are allowed to have some control over. And here what we're saying is this is a child 
who is behind in their developmental areas. And we check those developmental areas usually around the age of about four. And we start to see if their speech is on level, if their motor skills are on level, um, all the things that they would need in order to be successful in school. And so if they're developmentally delayed, um, we oftentimes hold these children back one year and give them a developmental kindergarten and then a regular kindergarten. A child who's at risk is one who may be a little bit older in our school um, progression and maybe six to ten years old, um, but we know that they've been struggling in a lot of the academic areas. They don't have an exceptionality ruling just yet. Um, there's a high probability that they are going to have difficulty in the future um, because maybe they're just getting by right now, just barely passing. And as the work gets harder, we can see that this child um, may begin to have difficulty. And special ed is just a term that lets us know that we are taking um, each child, looking very specifically at their needs and individualizing the program for them so that we maximize um, their abilities and their learning. Related services are those that we provide through the public school system for any child who has uh, exceptionality ruling. These services are anything that they need other than academics, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. Um, let me just quickly walk you through the 13 categories of disability that um, are covered by federal law. Autism spectrum disorder um, is one. Deaf blindness is a um, type of low incidence disability, but uh, a multiple disability, but it gets its own name because it's so unique. Um, developmental delay, again, schools have some control over that term. Emotional disturbance, where a child is, is very upset and has difficulty focusing in on school. Hearing impairments, uh, mental retardation, uh, multiple disabilities. We have orthopedic impairments, which would be any physical impairment. Other health impairments is an interesting one. This is any kind of illness that you have that's chronic that would keep you from going to school um, regularly so that we're trying to protect you from failing school due to absences. And so we provide a ruling here. Um, various learning disabilities are called specific learning disabilities and reading and math are big ones. Um, we have speech and language impairments, traumatic brain injury, um, and the visual impairments, including those who are in fact blind. A little bit of history um, at one time, America had a lot of uh, institutional settings um, where if a child was born with special needs, the parents were told to either institutionalize them or maybe put them in an asylum setting and they were isolated. And that was the belief of that time period. We started having uh, special ed classes in our public schools around the um, mid 1800s. And uh, we started out with those uh, schools for the sensory disorders, blind schools, um, schools for those who are deaf. Um, and we started deinstitutionalization in the late 1960s. There was a big movement um, in the late 1960s, um, started with the Kennedys and one of their um, siblings had had some um, intellectual disabilities and that was kind of a thing that was important to Robert Kennedy. Um, we started out having freestanding separate schools and we moved to classes that were self-contained um, in a public school and one of the big goals was to normalize the environment of individuals who had exceptionalities and normalization just means making the environment as normal as you possibly can make it.
Um, what we started to see was a, a little bit more focus on an individualized instruction, not as much as we have now, but there was at least a, a beginning here. Um, our goal was to give these carefully sequenced series of tasks and starting you with very simple, simple types of things, um, moving you up as you could to a more complex task. Um, one big emphasis was to stimulate the child's senses. And that would be, remember, a lot of this was the child who was blind or deaf. Um, that would make the child more responsive to learning a task. Um, we set the uh, environment up for um, the optimal learning for the child, and classrooms are really well thought out as to how they're arranged. And we began to use uh, reinforcement and punishment, um, particularly rewards immediately for correct performance. Um, we also began tutoring in functional skills. Now, functional skills are those that are necessary for you to be self-sufficient. So knowing how to dress yourself, um, feed yourself, those types of things would be something we would start on. And our goal was that every child can learn something, no matter how severe their disability might be. And we want them to be improving. And obviously, if we can bring them up to learn academics, that would be a goal as well. But we know everyone can be educated. Um, when we look at legislation, you'll see that it has played with litigation um, a big role in how our children are educated. Generally what has happened is parents have um, sued the system because they don't like that their child is not receiving something. And when they win those lawsuits, legislation begins to change. Um, one of those first lawsuits was done in 1954. It's Brown versus the Board of Education in Topeka, Kansas. And it really was set up more as a um, racial um, lawsuit. It was trying to say that segregation of students by race was ruled unconstitutional. And it was what ended separate but equal schools that existed at one time for those children who were black and white. We, they would go to separate schools. Um, it, they took this lawsuit. It wasn't actually designed for children with exceptionalities, but because it really uh, made the point and, and that we have no separate but equal schools, it became a precedent for the children with exceptionalities as well so that we wouldn't have to have separate schools for them and that they would be able to be incorporated into the public school system. Another big um, legislative piece was Diana versus the State Board of Education in California in 1970. This was a class action suit that was brought by parents of children who were linguistically different. And these were children who were native Spanish speakers. Um, they were struggling with school. School was teaching them in English. And when they assessed the children for special education to see if they had an exceptionality, they took these children who spoke Spanish primarily and tested them in English. And they all came out in the um, intellectually disabled range, as you might expect. I don't know how we'd do if we were uh, tested in a different language. And so their parents got together and sued. And in California, they made the ruling that you must assess children um, for special ed. Now, you don't have to test in the classroom necessarily. Um, in their native language, but you have to test them in their native language, whatever that might be. If it's a child who's deaf, it would be sign language probably. Um, and that has now become incorporated into our federal laws. 
Um, Pennsylvania Association for Retar uh, Retarded Children, it's PARC, versus the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in 1972 had a ruling that guaranteed children who had mental retardation from the 6 to 21-year-old age range guaranteed them a free public education. And it guaranteed that that would be in the most integrated setting possible. And their integration means those children who are, we now use the term intellectually disabled, they would be integrated with children who were of typical intelligence. Mills versus the Board of Education in D.C. in 1972 expanded that decision and said that we would include into a um, ingraded environment and give a free public education to any child who had a disability, no matter what that disability might be. Um, here's some other important legislation. We're going to look a little bit more detailed at the Education for All Handicapped Children Act that was in 1975, and it was revised in 1990 and became the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which we call IDEA. Um, and in 2004, it was revised again and became the Individuals with Disabilities Education Improvement Act. But instead of saying IDEIA, we still just say IDEA. It's so much easier. And so when you hear that, we're referring to all three of those laws at the same time. It ensured a free, appropriate public education for all children. And there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, and we'll look at it. Um, Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in 1990 that ensured that um, people with disabilities could not be discriminated against, put in a lot of um, like handicapped parking and things that y'all kind of take for granted probably. No Child Left Behind was a 21st century um, act and it pretty much just did some standard base uh, reform so that we would have um, a level that all children needed to meet in order to be educated. 